Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. You can remain standing just for a second. I want to jump right into the reading today. This is found in uh, Mark chapter 9. I get the privilege of preaching. I do want to honor my dad, our senior pastor, who is away visiting uh, my sister and her husband up in Texas, you know, suffering up in Texas. It's a good place to be. And uh, so I'm, he's left it up to me. So uh, as always, just let him know that it was, it was an amazing service and <laughs> everything was good. <laughs> um, but I know he's probably watching it online. And so, uh, Dad, I love you and miss you. And uh, we hope you have an amazing time. Mom as well, I love you. This is uh, Mark chapter 9, verses uh, 33. The disciples are arguing, as they often did. And they're on their way to Capernaum, and this is verse 33. Excuse my translation. It's the older NIV, so the one on the screen might be a bit different. But it says, they came to Capernaum, and when he, Jesus, was in the house, he asked them, he said, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Anybody got siblings? You've had this argument before. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12, and he said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last. Somebody say last. And the servant of all. And so he took a little child, and he had him stand among them, and he taken him in his arms. He said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children, and my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. You could be seated at this time. I, I uh, remember really wanting to have kids, and now I have two, and... I quickly realized that as much as I thought life was about me, as soon as I had kids, it was no longer about me. I didn't know that. I thought, you know, I thought they were supposed to be here to work for us and do chores for us. I mean, that's what my parents did for us. I was like, man, life is all about me. Life is great. And it really was all about them, all about them. And, I, and you know, to be honest, so many people live life that way, thinking life is all about me. Life is centered around me. All that matters is me. And, you know, those people are easy to spot. Just watch how they walk, watch how they talk, watch how they treat their spouse, watch how they treat their kids. Are they always exaggerating about their achievements, about their accomplishments, about their success? Do they appear to be phony? Are they making stuff up? Is there any humility in them? You know, not the same point any fingers, but we know people like that. Maybe we've been people like that at times. It's interesting because it's just not... It's not the way, right, as the Mandalorian would say. There's another way. This is the way. But when I was a child, I used to close my eyes, and I would assume that everything around me stopped, and everything was watching me and waiting for me. Oh, was I wrong. I always thought I had to be the best at everything, and if I wasn't the best, I just wouldn't even try. Oh, was I wrong. What did I know now, or what do I know now that I did not know then? What, was, what revelation have I had now that I didn't have when I was younger? Well, I understand it now, and here's the title of today's message if you're taking notes. That was that I and we was, will be, and always will be last in line. Last in line. 
So Father, today as we open up your word, God, would it reveal things to us that nobody else can? Would your Holy Spirit reveal maybe today some pride, maybe some selfishness that uh, we've had a really hard time overcoming? And would you put into maybe perspective this idea that the first really is the last, that maybe you've called us to be the last in line. And so as always, shape us, challenge us, move in us. We pray all these things in your name. And everybody say one more time, amen. Do me a favor, tell three people around you, let's head to the back of the line. Come on, tell them, let's head to the back of the line. You know, I, uh, I've always heard of this, but I'll put it this way. There's this like first and last doctrine that maybe we've heard, and, and Tim Keller puts it, it's this uh, middle-class spirit that some of us Christians have. I, I got to wake up first. I got to pray first. I got to work the hardest. I got to serve the hardest. I got to volunteer, you know, a lot. I got to make sure that I'm carrying all the chairs. When the pastor says, remove the chairs from the room, I got to make sure I'm doing everything. I got to make sure I'm doing more than everybody else. And... Um, you know, it's, it's just, if, if I can do more, if I can accomplish more, perhaps that more will bring me closer to Jesus. Right? If, if I can say more, if I could read more, if I can do more, and because of what I've done, I now have a better relationship with Jesus. One would almost say, um, I gain salvation because I deserve salvation. And can I remind you, church, and remind those watching it online, that salvation cannot be earned. It cannot be. It is not deserving. It is, a, it is a gift that God gives you that you do not earn, that you do not deserve, that you step into, that you seek repentance, and you freely accept the gift of eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation cannot be earned. It is something that is given. But this is essentially what James and John, the brothers, the sons of thunder, as Jesus would put them, in the next chapter are wondering. Not necessarily who is the greatest, maybe, but wondering, what, what seat am I going to sit in, Jesus? Where am I going to sit? Am I going to sit at the left side of you in glory, or am I going to sit at the right side of you in glory? You know, they were just in chapter 9 arguing about who was the greatest. They haven't learned anything because Jesus gave them the response. And like most of us, we ask the same questions. We fall into the same stupidity. And they're wondering, Jesus, where am I going to, where am I going to sit? What, what's, what's, in it for, what's in it for me? How, how close can I get to you? Certainly this is a selfish request, which, by the way, was asked immediately after Jesus was telling them about his death. Jesus is predicting his death, and here they are thinking, well, that's great and all, but where am I going to sit? You know, there's no sympathy towards Jesus. He has just shared his heart. He's predicting what's going to happen. And it doesn't really matter because when it's all about you, it's all about you. Right? Tell somebody next to you, it's really all about me. I know that's hard to say. For some of you, it's really easy to say because you say it all the time. It's really all about me. If, 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 if what happens around you um, is really you know, the question you're asking, how does it impact me? How does it affect me? How am I being shaped? How am I being challenged? What's, what's in it for me? Well, then the only concern that you have is you. 
and you have no concern for anybody else. You have no concern about really what's going on. It doesn't really matter what Jesus is saying. It doesn't really matter what anybody else is saying. And, and here's what I want us to do today. Okay, for just a moment, and really for the rest of your life, but today I want you to understand this, and I want you to write this down. I want us to put on our selfless caps, okay? All right, so put on our selfless. Everybody with me, take the imaginary selfless cap and, and go ahead and put it on your, your head. If your head is bigger, then make sure it's a bigger cap. Um, if it's smaller, make, you, know, you know, so just, just uh, put on our selfless caps because we have to remove this selfish mindset, and we have to understand that we are in the people business, Amen. Last I checked, it was love God and sort of love your people, right? No, love God and like only certain people. No, it was love God and what? Love people, everybody. That means you, you, your neighbor, your coworker, the person that you don't really care for. That means everybody, even your enemy. And so maybe today we put on our selfless caps. We understand what Jesus is really trying to say. And I want you to understand that I know a lot of you make excuses about caring for people, but it's time to start making an effort and stop making some excuses. Paul reminds us in Philippians 2, verses 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather, somebody say rather, but rather in humility. Oh, I love that word. Humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Paul here is urging the people of Philippi to be servants and have the attitude that Christ had. Christ had the attitude that he didn't grasp the high position that he had or the, the position that he could have had, and he didn't grasp it, didn't walk in it, didn't, you know, gloak in it, but he, he found himself living selfishly, even sacrificially. And he found himself, even to the point of death, living a life that was all about other people. So let's put on our selfless caps and let's today have a heart for people. James and John, Jesus is about to die. Um, yeah, but can I have your boat? <laughs> you know, Jesus, I know you're leaving us, but we got to figure out this whole like inheritance thing. Like which, which sibling is it going to? We, we got we to we settle this now before you go because uh, I, I need to know. I, I need to know what seat I can have. I need to know where I'm going to sit. I need to know this before you leave us because um, look what I've done. Look at what all I've accomplished. Look how great I am. So there's no doubt that you should say yes to James and John having the left seat and the right seat. And I love Jesus' response. This is Mark 10, verses 42. Jesus calls them together and he says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them? And their high officials exercise authority over them. But he says, not so with you. Instead, somebody say instead. Instead, here's, here's where everything begins to shift. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. Again, this is, this is very similar to what he said in chapter 9. He's having to reiterate things. I'm learning this now as a dad. I have to say the same things. My wife says the same things to me, so, so maybe it's payback. I say the same things to my kid. She says the same things to me. You know, it's like we just never learn. How many times you got to tell me? How many times I got to tell them? Jesus is like, how many times do I have to tell you? This is a kingdom mindset. 
Not, 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 a, not a cultural mindset. Because culture would say, man, you got to lead. you got to be at the top. you got to be big. you got to create some distance. you got to put fear in the people beneath you or they will not follow you. Who wants to serve somebody like that? Who wants to follow somebody like that? Who wants to be at a church where there's a pastor like that? That's not, that's not somebody I want to follow. That's not, that's not somebody who I think is leading well. Listen, church, you want to lead better? You have to serve better. Amen? You want to lead better, you have to serve better. No, I got I to gotta keep some distance. All that, all that stuff with people, that's, I don't deal with that stuff. Man, I'm, I'm up here at the top. I'm up here at the other place. I'm up here doing my own thing. I'm like, well, it's lonely if you're doing your own thing. And if you're leading and it's lonely, then you're not leading the right way. And so you want to lead better. That means you got to get down in the dirt. That means you got to help take off some people's shoes and clean their feet. What? I'm not cleaning anybody's feet. I don't even like feet. And so here we find this, this, this kingdom mindset, which changes everything, to say, listen, if you want to be first, you actually have to be last. This desire for position needs to go. In fact, I heard it said this way, that you're not responsible for uh, promoting, but God is responsible for promoting. And so this desire for promotion needs to leave. This desire to be noticed, this desire to be accepted, this desire to, uh, to be praised has got to go. Instead, we need to have this desire, this passion, this burden to elevate people. We need to have this passion, this burden to serve, to want to be at the feet of people. We need to have this desire to say, I honor those who are above me and I honor those who are beneath me. I'm in it not so I can receive, but I'm in it so I can give. I think that's what God has called us to do, to be givers, not receivers. And as you start to do that, as you start to step out and say, I'm just going to serve you, I'm going to serve you. I know what I need, but I'm just going to serve you because I know what you need. Your needs start to get met. You realize that? People start to come alongside you that elevate you. People start to come alongside you and bless you because you have stepped out to be a blessing. You then have been blessed. I don't do it because of that. That just happens. That's God, and he's good, and he wants to take care of you. It's crazy. I know. You step out and you give. All of a sudden you see, I didn't know I had that much money. I didn't know there was a check coming in for me. I had no idea. I gave away all my energy, and all of a sudden the next day I have even more energy. Just like that, things happen. I'm in it so I can receive um, or give. I'm not in it so I can receive. But I love what Proverbs 11:24 says. It said, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. And another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person. Come on, somebody say a generous person. A generous person will prosper. Do I have any generous people in the place this morning? Do I got any generous? I know it's so hard to be generous. I know because we're so selfish. That's my food. That's my gas. That's my time. But just sometimes, would you agree with me? Sometimes it's just great to be generous. Oh, it's so good. It's so awesome. It's rare for some of us. But you know what? You can have that seat. You know what? You can have that parking spot. I know I got a truck and so I was backing in, but people like to whip around and take it. And, and everything inside of me just wants to get out and, you know, give them the, 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 the you know, the holy, you know, uh, how you doing type of thing. But just, uh, I just, you know, you can have that, you can have that parking spot. I know you didn't see my, uh, my, uh, my, my, my lights on and me backing in, but you can, you can, anybody back in the parking lot, you know what I'm talking about? You pass it and somebody whips around. I'm like, you know, you deserve that. You know, God. God, God has ordained that parking spot for you, not for me, apparently. <laughs> but you want to 
give more. And again, I'm not just talking about money, although this has been proven about money and our resources and our finances, but that's not what I'm talking about. If you want more, you give more. If you want to be treated with respect, start treating others with respect. If you want to be blessed, start blessing others. If you want to be loved, start loving others. If you want to be noticed, start noticing others. I'm telling you, things will come around. It may take some time, and if it doesn't, guess what? You're going to spend eternity in heaven where you got everything you need. But it takes a lot of us to start serving with humility. You know, the greatest prerequisite for leading is serving with humility. The greatest prerequisite for leading is serving with humility. It's saying, you know what, I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to do the stuff that nobody wants to do. I'm going I'm I'm to scrub the floors. I'm going to clean the toilets. Anybody like, anybody like cleaning toilets? It's my favorite thing to do. I love just pouring that comment down there and scrubbing it all that. I love it. You know, I just, I just do the things that nobody wants to do. I do the things that nobody sees. I do the things that nobody notices. I'm honoring those who are beneath me. I'm honoring those who are above me. And I'm recognizing that there is so much to learn from anybody. Even though I might be the boss, even though I might be in charge, there are still people beneath me that I can learn from. Everybody has something to say. Therefore, I will remain teachable for the rest of my life. That's serving with humility. That's saying, you know what, I want to lead better. I'm going to serve better. I love what C.S. Lewis says. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. Church, we get to be last in line. We get to be last in line. Well, you know what? I'm already in the front of the line. I got here. Great. Now hold the door for everybody else to get through and high five them on the way. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, one of my greatest rewards, he's a big leadership guru in the faith and in the business world. He said, one of my greatest rewards is to watch people that I've trained up to start to train me. That's saying, I believe more about you and what you can do and maybe where you're not yet than I do about myself. And so I'm going to get you to a place that might get you to a, a further place than me. And I'm going to cheer you on. I don't want to get to the top because I've stepped on everybody to get there. I want to get to the top and realize there's way more people up there. There's way more people beneath me, above me. It's a journey, but it's a kingdom mindset to say it's not really about me. It's about everybody else. And so i got to serve with humility. Let's go back to, to uh, Mark chapter 9. Let's go back to the story that we read about the, the disciples arguing about who is the greatest. Who's the greatest? Who's the best? Who's the closest? I love what Jesus says because he's sitting here as they've made their way now to Capernaum in Mark chapter three or nine, verse 33. And he says, what were you arguing about on the road over there earlier? What, what was it you were saying? What, you know, if, if he was country, he'd be like, what were y'all saying? I was just up in Tennessee, so everybody up there talking country. What, what were you saying over there? I'm like, Jesus is asking them, what, what were they arguing about? It was like God asking Adam and Eve, why are you hiding? What are you afraid of? You know, like God knew. Jesus clearly knows. What are, you, what are you arguing about? But it says in verse 34 that they kept quiet, which shows that he probably had to ask this question multiple times. Again, the same way that we ask our kids things multiple times. They kept quiet. They were probably embarrassed. They were probably ashamed, which, to be honest, um, may have worked out in their favor. Notice that they didn't say anything, because if they started saying something, it Probably wouldn't have been anything they wanted to say. So here Jesus is like, what's going on? And they're just like, they're not, they're not saying anything. That's probably a good thing because there's something stirring inside of them called conviction. Anybody thankful sometimes for conviction? 
Anybody thankful sometimes for some guilt? I'm not saying you got to stay there. Don't stay there. That's not a good place to stay, but sometimes it's a good place to spur you on, to get you out of where you were. Sometimes it's good to feel guilty. I feel bad for those who don't. But it's good to have some of that. And so this is what they're feeling. They're probably feeling some, you know, they're, they're ashamed. They're, they're, they're embarrassed. They've been arguing about who is great. There's some conviction, which is good. And Jesus sits them down. I love this in verse 35. He sits them down. This is, a, this is like a teaching moment. You know, all the, all, the, all the little children, come here. And he, he brings them all together. And he gets down to the level. He doesn't, he doesn't get up there and puff out his chest and say, let me show you the way. Because you, you've done it all wrong. He, he gets down to the to their level. And he says, Let, let's, let's figure this out. He says, anybody who wants to be first, anybody who wants to be first needs to be the very last. Servant of all. You know, that word servant is interesting because the servant, and, and translated in the Greek, is doulos, which, which really means to be a slave. It's to say, I've been enslaved to something. Now, we as believers are a doulos, a slave to Christ. Because we have been purchased. We, we, in, this, in this context, we aren't the servant of Christ because servants aren't purchased, um, but slaves are purchased. We have been purchased by Jesus. But there's another translation. That, that actually translation is happening in Mark chapter 10. But in, in Mark 9, this, this idea of servant of all. Somebody say servant of all. This idea that we are not a slave to all, which we are a slave to Christ, but we are a servant of all, actually breaks this down. And there, there, there's a different verbiage that's happening. It's this idea that I am a servant and am in service to everybody and anybody around me. So if, if Christ is calling us to be a servant, then what I must understand is that, you know, anything you need, anything that I can bring, well, then I'm all in. If, if, if I don't know it, I'll learn it. If I can't do it, I'll figure it out. If, if, if I don't know how to, I'm going to get somebody else to help me. It's saying, you know what, whatever needs to be done, I, I put it this way, whatever it takes, I'm in. Whatever it takes, I'm in. Come on, somebody say, I'm in. Whatever it takes, I'm in. If, if it means that I have to help you, if it means that I have to sacrifice some time, if it means that I have to sacrifice some money, then, then I'm all in. If you, need, if you need to borrow my car, then then, I, then maybe I'll question, you know, if you, here's what I would say. If somebody's like, hey, I need to borrow your car, man, I'm just, I just need it. I'm saying, that's fine. You can take it, man. You can take it. Just as you turn it on, you got to, you know, twist it a little bit. You got to wiggle the steering wheel. You got to pump it, pump the pedal four times. And, and then about every two miles, it turns off. That's all right. Just wiggle the key again. You know, just pump it again. And by the way, the AC doesn't work, but it's all yours. <laughs> They're going to find somebody else. They're going to find some new friends. Um, but it's saying, hey, anything you need, whatever it takes. Oh, you need me there? I'm there. You, you, you need me to pray for you? I wonder how many of us actually pray for people. It's saying, I'm a servant to you. I am here to be a service to you. You need prayer? I'm going to pray for you. you. You need me to cover your shift? Oof. How much, how much are we getting paid again? You know, it's just saying, anything, whatever it takes, I'm in. And, and I know there's so many of you today and even in this room that serve and you're volunteers. And I just think about two that I have, I've had conversations. One of them is named Mark Litzenberg. Mark's our heads our usher team. And then uh, Olivia Lawson, who's here, I saw her. She works with our, our youth. And I've had two conversations with uh, you guys in the past. And, and we were talking about doing things and serving and volunteering. And their response was almost verbatim, hey, whatever needs to be done, I got it. In fact, Olivia, I think we had a conversation where you were like, I'm not sure if I can do that. I don't think I can but if you need me, I'll learn, right? And so it's that attitude that says, you know what? 
Whatever it takes. Man, if you're a boss in here, if you have employees under you, don't you want people like that? Whatever it takes, I'm going to get it done. If I don't know it, I'll learn it. If I can't figure it out, I'm going to Google it. If I don't know it, I'm going to YouTube it. I mean, I'm gonna, it's, everything's on the Internet. All the answers you need is on the Internet. I'm not saying they're all right, but there's a lot of things you can learn from the Internet. I'm just saying I want to see some initiative. I want people to say, you know what, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, I'm in. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. Whatever it takes, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. It may take some time, but whatever needs to be done, whatever it takes. To further illustrate this point in verse 37, he brings up a child. He says, whoever welcomes one of these little children welcomes, in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Now, it, was, it wasn't uncommon for or unusual for a child to, um, you know, be uh, seen, not even heard. They were more treated as property sometimes rather than individuals. So it's interesting that Jesus takes a child who really is um, powerless to use this as an example, to say, listen, if you are welcoming me and if you do not welcome this child, you're really not welcoming me. Because perhaps the greatest aren't those who are seeking power, but it is those who are seeking those without power. I'll say it again. Maybe the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, maybe the ones who are the greatest as Jesus is identifying here, isn't the ones who are seeking power, but it is the ones who are seeking those without power. The children. I can't stand children. I don't got children. I don't want children. I don't want to deal with children. I see all my friends with all them kids. I'm like, thank God that ain't me. I, I would just say to you, then perhaps you're not even welcoming Jesus. I'm not saying you have to have all these kids. I'm just saying if you see a kid around you, don't be like, I mess with them. I don't know them. We, my wife and I just went on a trip to uh, North uh, Tennessee. We got to hang out in the mountains. It was crazy. You know, I went fishing. I was just like, man, just I felt like a disciple, you know, rowing a, rowing a boat, you know, because we did the canoe thing. And I was just like, spent three hours, you know, and man, I just, I just related so well with the disciples that one story where they, Absolutely caught nothing. Because <laughs> after three hours, I was like, this is, a, this is awful, you know. I was waiting for Jesus. He's like, Jacob, cast your net to the other side or your, your pole or whatever it's called. And, uh, and I, I still caught nothing. It was crazy. I did get a tug, though, and I realized that I was stuck to a branch. But, you know, it was like, it was, it was incredible. And, you know, we brought our kids. Anytime you go on a family or a friend trip with a bunch of your friends who don't have kids and you bring your, your kids if I'm their friend, I'm like, oh, come on, we're not going to have any fun. We ain't going to do anything fun. We got kids around. And I remember my friend Ricky. Uh, you know, Ricky's a great fisherman. He, like, knows all the things about fishing. You know, he's caught in every fish you can think of. He actually caught some. I didn't catch anything. He told me that I didn't need to let it sit for so long. I needed to reel it in, tug it, reel it in, tug it. And I'm like, listen, I'm just trying to get out of here, all right? Uh, and uh, he's a great fisherman. And, and uh, he, he's told me to bring my son one, one day. We are going down there. And he's like, I need you to bring... Um, bring the worms that are in the fridge because I got a whole, like, rig set up for your son. I mean, you got a what set up for my son? He's like, I got a rig set up. I got a, I got a little fishing pole. I'm like, for real? I'm like, you want to hang on my son? And so I bring my son down. He's like three and a half, and he's sitting there, and he's, like, teaching him how to fish. And I stood back, and I was like, how dare this man try and father my kid? <laughs> I did think about that. That's not what I said. I just stood back, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, these are, the, these are the greatest friends in the world. You need to, if you have kids, you need to find yourself some friends that love your kids. Because there are some things that you can't teach them that they can. And you have to be honest about that. And, yeah, maybe I fished when I was little, but I didn't know what I was doing. And he just sat there and he, 
And, and my son, who's like, uh, you know, I'm going to show you a video in a second because I have a video of him. I, I, I got him catching his first fish. And he ended up catching like 30. But I got the first one. And he's fishing out there. And, you know, they're just catching, you know, they're catching like little, you know, little fish, you know, this big. Uh, but just a little fish. And I think he was scared because he wasn't even like looking at the fish. He was like, I don't know if he's like into animals and, you know, helping them and whatever. But I don't think he wanted to look at him hurting the, the fish. But anyways, uh, check out this video he, of him catching his hey. first little fish. <laughs> you go. All right, let's look. See that bobber over there? Oh, nibbling. Get ready. Get ready. Oh, go, go, go. Reel, 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 reel. Reel. Oh, he's on there. He's on there, reel. Get it, Judah. Get it, Judah. Oh, my goodness, you see him? Don't stop reeling. Get it, Judah. Keep going. Oh, my goodness. Why, Judy? It's that, you that big, right? Yeah, yeah, High five. High five. High five for Daddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like, you know, he, he, he'd gone home telling his friends, I caught a fish. I caught a this, this big. I'm like, Judah, we got evidence. You did not catch a fish. But it's just, I, I got to be honest, man, as, as a dad now, and, I, and life has just changed so much, you start to go back and you think like, man, people who care about, you know, the children, that's just... Man, it just, it just kind of like, they tear up a little bit. You know, I was sitting up there tearing up, trying to be a man, like crying a little bit. Like, man, dude, Ricky, who's one of my good friends, you know, thank you for loving my kid. Thank you for teaching him that. And thank you for doing stuff like that. You know, we welcome the children. We welcome Jesus. Amen. He goes even further and he says, you actually welcome the one who sent me. And I think we just need to have a heart for children. I think we need to stop making excuses and stop, you know, uh, not wanting them and not having them. And, not, yeah, you can give it up for that. Like, man, I just love some kids. So shout out to all of our kids' workers. Shout out to all those who went to mega sports camp. Shout out to all of our leaders who just went to camp. Like, spending a week, you know, spending a week with students, sleeping in dorm rooms. Like, I know that is exhausting sometimes. I know that is just painful sometimes. But, man, it is just when you have a heart, God starts to give you the energy you need through things like energy drinks. And I'm just kidding. You know, just let me get back to the scripture. You know. So I'm like, I don't know if he's preaching or he's just talking right now. Uh, it just, it's crazy how Jesus is sitting here showing a child saying, you welcome this little child. You welcome me. And, and because they're the powerless. They're the, they're the voiceless. They're the defenseless. They're the ones who can't do it on their own. That's why I want you to drop down and help. They're the last in line, and that's where you belong. Can you welcome and seek out those who have power, or is it not worth your time? Because then you need to reread this, because if you want to be great, we receive the powerless. It's understanding that greatness comes from accepting the lowest position in order to serve. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter what they smell like. It doesn't matter what kind of background they have. Listen, there is nobody beneath you when you are at the bottom. I'll say it again. There is nobody beneath you when you are at the bottom. There is nobody behind you when you are last in line. So you can't make any more excuses. There's nobody beneath you when you are at the bottom, and there's nobody behind you when you are last in line. If you're seeking greatness, you might be doing it all wrong. I want to go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Because, uh, again, this is, you know, this is, this story is happening again. It's just the same conversation. Who's the greatest? Who's the best? What's happening? And this is actually happening, like, you know, days before uh, the end of Jesus' life here, before he resurrects again. This is the, the Last Supper. 
This is like the last moments of Jesus' life. He's here with his disciples. He's going over, you know, the bread. He's going over the the wine. He's talking about how he's going to give up himself so they can have everlasting life. And and he goes on to say that there is one of you in this room who will betray me. And then all the disciples are sitting here thinking like, well, well, uh, um, Who's it going to be? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? They start arguing about who it's going to be, which then turns into an argument about who it's not going to be. Well, it's not going to be me because I'm the closest. It's not going to be me because I'm the greatest. Here again, they get into another argument. Listen, I think I talked about the chosen last time I preached, but if you just watch this, it puts into so much more perspective. Disciples who are humans like you and me who have struggled with pride and are struggling with who's closer to Jesus. This is exactly what's happening here. Who's the greatest? I know you're leaving us, but, but who's the greatest? I know you're about to die, but, but who's the best? And this is what happens in Luke 22, verses 24. And again, some of this is verbatim. He says the same thing. He says, a dispute among them rose to which, which of them was considered to be the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. He says, but you will not like that, and you will not be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, the child, the powerless, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? I love this reference. Who is greater? It puts it into so much perspective. The one who sits at the table or the one who serves at the table? Who, who, is, who is greater here? Because he says, it is not the one who is at the table but it is I among you as the one who serves. Man, that's powerful. I think we need to stop the self-promotion, the self-recognition. We need to drop the mindset that says, I have to be first or else I'm going to be last. We have to drop the mindset that says, I need to be at the top or else I'm going to be at the bottom. You know, we have to drop that. And instead of asking the question, where am I going to sit at the table? We need to ask the question, how can I continue to serve the table? Come on, church, how can I continue to serve the table? Stop fighting for a seat. Stop fighting for a position. Instead of asking, where am I sitting? When am I going to get there? I'm going to ask, how long can I stay here? How long can I stay here? I don't want to leave here. Because here I'm fully reliant and dependent on Jesus. There I might think I'm not. And so I don't want to fight for a position at the table. I want to fight for a position on the floor, in the back, serving. That, that's the question that we need to ask. That's the kingdom culture that says, I don't need to be there, I don't have to be there, but it's I get to be here, at the bottom, last in line. Can we, can we talk about for a moment this competitive spirit? Because I would get competitive with you and say, I don't need to argue, I'm already last in line. I'm further last in line than you are. But I think many of us have this competitive you know, uh, nature about us that says, well, I gotta be first, I gotta be the best. And including myself, we have this at times. And I'm not talking about the competitive you know, nature that you have to have to be good and successful. Like if you're a professional athlete, you've, you've got to be the best of the best. There's got to be a competitive nature. I'm talking about the one that will cause you to lose your testimony. I'm talking about the one that will, that'll, uh, at, at the cost of truth, at the cost of honesty. I'm talking about the one that I would say, do, do, you, do, you, really, do, do you really have to say those things? Do, do you really have to get to that spot? Because I think that might be the cause of this question. Who is the greatest? That might be the cause of this pursuit. I've got to be the greatest. And you might find yourself years down the road fighting something that you are not supposed to fight, winning something that you are not supposed to win, wasting energy. 
that you did not need to waste. This may set some of you free today because it set me free. You don't have to win. You don't always have to win. In fact, do I have any people that lose more than they win, that are thankful that I ain't competitive as you and I ain't aggressive as you? I'm okay with losing. I am okay with losing. Church, I came to that conclusion which saved my life. I'm okay with losing. It's good to win at some things. I'm not saying lose at everything. I'm just saying it's okay not to always have to win. It is is okay. Tell somebody next to you, you don't have to beat me, okay? Or I don't have to beat you. It doesn't really matter. We're all having fun and fellowship out here today, all right? Don't pull that card, though. I'm not looking out here to have some. I'm going to win or I'm going to lose, and I'm okay with losing. I ain't here to just have some fun and laughs and giggles. But it's okay not to always have to win. Because we, we find ourselves losing a testimony that perhaps could have brought somebody to Christ. I just wonder how many people we have lost, how many people we have forfeited sharing because we have, we have um, gone aggressive and we've be, become competitive. You know, I just, I'm just like, I'm, I'm done with that. I always tell people, I don't have to be competitive when you know you're the best. I'm just kidding. I just, I'm, there's no need to be competitive because it's not worth dying over. It's not worth, there are some things worth dying over, but this, this game, this contest, this argument, it's just not worth it to me because I don't want to lose my fellowship with the Lord. I don't want to say something that's going to hurt you. And, and I have at times, and I have to realize, I got I to, gotta, you know, rewind, and I have to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I, I, I've been aggressive. You know, I was throwing paddles and throwing things and kicking things, and it's like, Hey, you want to come to church with me? We're all about loving people. <laughs> Are you gonna throw a Bible at me? Maybe you, yeah, not you, but you. You know, I just and just sometimes I gotta bring it back and say, you know, I'm just so sorry. I have not served you well. I have not loved you well. I have not been a, a good uh, uh, believer. I have not honored what God has asked me to do. And so sometimes I have to step out and seek forgiveness and, and say the, the things that David would say in Psalms. You know, God created me a clean heart. Lord, right now, what I need is to, uh, to renew a right spirit within me. That's what, that's what I need. And then that takes humility to say. That takes humility to go back and to your wife and tell her that you made a mistake. It's such a struggle for me. I made a mistake and I'm wrong. And she always tells me to repeat it because she didn't hear it. So I, I don't know. Like, something in your ears or something like that? Like, I made a mistake. I'm saying, you know, I'm wrong. And she's like, what did you say one more time? She whips out her phone to record it. You know, just ah, whatever. I was right and I walk away. But it takes humility to say that. It, it, it's, we're prideful people and, and it's hard. But I pray that everything I do, everything I say, and how I pursue greatness and how I pursue uh, to lead, that in everything I do that I not only benefit others, but most importantly that I honor the Lord. And everything I touch, everything I say, every place that I find myself in, every grocery store I find myself in, every guy who takes my parking spot, I find, Lord, would it benefit others, which clearly did, but would it honor you? Would my testimony, would my response honor you? And I think about this old song that we used to sing by a guy named Paul Beloche. Years and years ago, we used to sing all his songs here in this church. I remember being on the stage singing some of his songs. We don't really sing them anymore, but I remember singing this song a long time ago, and it said, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or let the strong man boast in his strength. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let the humble come and give thanks. Man, I I think we could maybe fit in the, the wise category or maybe the strong category, maybe the rich category. 
And one day as we look back, what were we most passionate about sharing? What were we most passionate about holding on to? What were we boasting about? Remember what Paul said? If you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. Yeah? If I'm going to boast, I will not boast in the riches that I have. I will not boast in the strength that I have. I will not boast in the intellect that I have. I will not boast in the wisdom that I have. But if I'm going to boast, he says in 1 Corinthians 1.31, he says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who shouts, shout for the Lord. Let the one who screams, screams for the Lord. Let the one who displays what they got, display it for the Lord. Because you really have nothing if it wasn't for Jesus. Amen. And so I boast in God. I boast in his riches. I boast in his wisdom. I boast and I want to proclaim to everybody around me that I am only who I am because of who he is. And so I boast in that. And then I drop the mic and then I leave and walk away. Like that's who I am. It's because of him. Because I will boast and I will boast in him. It's not about me. It'll never be about me. And uh, I don't ever want it to be about me. And, and Jesus was so perfect at this, even in his mission, even as he walked, even as he did his own thing. Everywhere he went, you notice that Jesus was interrupted. Everything he was doing, whether he was walking to a city, walking to a town, walking to meet some people, walking for a dinner, it always seemed like Jesus was getting interrupted. How many of you hate interruptions? You hate them. Trying to do your thing and pops up a notification, a phone call, somebody screaming, kids banging on the door. I'm just trying to use the restroom for 10 minutes by myself. I've been walking in here. I don't say that. That's what my wife says all the time. The kids running in there. You know, just for a moment, I just want to do my thing. You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to walk in my purpose. I'm just trying to, you know, do what God has called me to do. And just, just stop interrupting me with your phone calls and your prayer requests and your needs. You're actually bringing me down by sharing all these things. Is that what Jesus said? Certainly not. You know, we often study the steps of Jesus, but I think we need to study the stops of Jesus. You know how many times Jesus was stopped? You know how many times he was on his mission, on his way, and somebody would inconvenience him? And what would he do? Say, you know what? No thanks. Not right now. I've got something better to do. No, he would stop, drop to his knees. Remember blind Bartimaeus? He stopped for him. Remember the woman who was bleeding? He stopped for her. Remember the ruler who said, I got my daughter who is dead? He stopped for him. Remember Zacchaeus, short little wee man on the tree? He stopped for Zacchaeus. Imagine what it would look like. If we said, you know what, God, the daily interruptions are actually divine opportunities. Church, I'm telling you, maybe, maybe, just maybe, the daily interruptions that you are facing, God is saying, I am turning them into divine opportunities, divine appointments, because there is people, there are are individuals who need what you have. You have an opportunity to display the love of Jesus, but you are so busy. You are so focused on where you need to be, you have hurt and affected and neglected the people who are on the way. I, I, I gotta lead, I gotta, I gotta be at a distance. I can't get close, I'm gonna get hurt. They're gonna get hurt. So what? You're gonna get hurt. There is a healer named Jesus. You're gonna be betrayed, so is Jesus. Now I'm saying, don't, you know, don't be dumb about it, be wise. Pray, make sure you are doing what you're supposed to do. But if there is an interruption in your life, I'm just saying maybe we have just missed so many opportunities, so many Jesus moments. Because you know what? I just got other things to do. I got a lunch appointment here soon. This guy is talking way too long. 
I'm about to get out. And you can miss the opportunity to accept and receive Jesus Christ. I, I just wonder how much of, how, how many things that have come into our lives that we would, we would say, God, I, I just don't have time to be interrupted right now. I, I don't have time to, to you know, to, uh, to answer that call. I just got so much going on. I love what somebody told me one time. You know, they looked at my phone and I had like 15 missed calls and 20 voicemails. And uh, I try and answer my phone. I, I tell myself on the weekends, I don't answer it, you know, unless it's God. That's whatever. But uh, somebody's like, you should stop not answering your phone calls. You should answer them. He says, don't, don't put, any, put anybody to voicemail ever again. And so I, now I try. I try and answer my phone as much as I can. I still don't, but I try, you know, <laughs> just being honest with you. But what would it look like if we said, you know what, anytime somebody is in need, anytime somebody is, you know, needing some help, and maybe it's an interruption, but maybe God is saying this is a, a divine intervention. Maybe he's saying this is a divine opportunity. Maybe what he is saying is, there is an assignment that I'm gonna place in your life today. The question is, are you in tune enough with the Holy Spirit that one, you recognize it, and two, you would be willing to abandon your agenda and to step into the opportunity and the assignment that God has placed in your lap? Is that you? Because if not, then you need to pray. Say, God, I need you to show me and give me the willingness to recognize that this is an opportunity and two, God, would you give me the courage and the strength to put aside my needs and my interests and focus on the needs and the interests of somebody else today? God, would you help me? Would you help me do that, Jesus? Because I wanna make sure that I'm not skipping and missing an opportunity where somebody can hear about the name of Jesus. And so I'm gonna step into that. Come on, somebody say, I'm gonna step into that. I'm gonna step into that today. I'm gonna step into that this week. I'm gonna step into it. I'm not gonna abandon it. I'm not gonna neglect it. I'm gonna step into these conversations that I may have. I'm gonna step into these opportunities that I may have to bring you glory. I know it's gonna benefit them, but it's ultimately gonna bring you glory and that's why I do it, amen. Two things I just wanna share before I close. One is uh, what I'm not saying is, you know, abandon your purpose and mission just to help people. Because I do think if that's all you did and you forgot about what God has called you to be, perhaps there's so much more that you could be doing for the kingdom and there's so many more people you could be helping if every single day you didn't stop and every single day and every moment, every waking moment you weren't here. I, I get that. I'm not saying that you gotta give up all your money and all your resources and neglect your family and just serve at the feet of every single individual at all times. At all. You wouldn't have a life. You wouldn't have a family. My wife would leave me. I would have no kids. So you have to be smart and pray about it. Say, God, is this an opportunity that you want me to step into? Is this, a, is, this a, is this a moment that I need to walk into? And two, I would just share this. If, if you're under somebody who is that, that, that leader who doesn't serve, um, show them grace. Show them grace and pray for them. Don't just be like, I'm out of here. I'm finding a new church. I'm finding a new job. Show them grace. Maybe speak to them. Maybe share your concerns. Share your thoughts. But show them grace and pray for them. One question I'll end with, if everybody would stand to their feet at this time. Perhaps there is an opportunity today or this week. Perhaps there is an interruption that you may face. I would ask you, would you step out in faith and be more about giving than receiving? That's it. That's what I wanna say to you today. Remember, the first shall be last. The first shall be last. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven are the servants. I'm gonna be servant of all to people and I'm gonna be a slave to Christ. But would you this week, perhaps there is an, an, an interruption that is coming 
Perhaps there is an interruption on your way out of here and you gotta go. You got to go, but there is somebody who needs you. There is somebody who needs you to minister to them. There is somebody who needs you to share something with them. Maybe it's on your way to work tomorrow. Maybe it's um, at, at your work or maybe it's somebody in your family and all of a sudden you're like, there is an interruption, I just can't handle it. Would you just ask God, God, is this an opportunity for you to, to be glorified? Is this an opportunity for somebody to, to benefit from? If so, I wanna step into it and I wanna be all about giving rather than receiving. Would you do that for me this week? As I, as, I, as I make it an effort to say, God, I wanna give more than receive more. I wanna give more to receive more. Would you do the same? Remember, we are the, we are the, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven if we are the servants. And because we are the servants, church, we get to be last in line. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning. God, I just thank you for your word that was presented. And Lord, maybe nobody got anything out of this other than this line about how big the fish are that we catch. But uh, but what I do want to pray and I do want to ask God is that there would somebody in this room that would understand that life is not about getting, but it's about giving. Life is not always about just receiving things and benefiting from other things, Lord, but it's actually about honoring you and glorifying you and living a life that is selfless and sacrificial. So maybe today, somebody online or somebody in this room, for the, for the first time, or maybe it's been a while, you're willing to say, I want to step into this. I, I need to step into this. I want to be a servant. I want to be a servant. I want to serve people. I want to do a better job at serving people. In fact, church, if that's you with your eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and say, I want to serve people better. I haven't done a great job. I want to serve people better. Come on, if you want more opportunities, would you just lift up your hands? I want more opportunities. If that's you, give me more opportunities, God, to serve. Give me more opportunities today, this week, in my family, more opportunities to serve. So Jesus, here we are, your children, asking God, would you give us the opportunities? Maybe they look like interruptions, but we know they are divine opportunities from you, where God, you can be glorified and people could benefit from. And so God, would we step out of this? Would we step out of our arrogance, step out of this mindset that it's all about us, and would we put on um, this kingdom mindset that it's about other people? It's about others. And so I'm going to serve, not the one to be served. I'm gonna stop asking the question, what spot at the table can I sit in? And I'm gonna ask the question, how long can I serve on the floor? How long can I serve at people's feet? How long can I serve on my knees? That's what I'm gonna ask, God. That's what I'm gonna ask. And so Father, we just thank you, we worship you. Lord, we praise you in this place. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.